Father, we come into your congregation right now as a body of believers, Lord, that want to worship you and put you center stage. We know the battles that we fight, Lord God, are not our own, but they are yours. And we will fight on our knees, lifting our hands in glory unto you, Lord.
Thank you to the praise team and Sharon for the wonderful prelude this morning. Uh, Secondly, good morning and welcome to all of you that are gathered here in the sanctuary this morning, along with those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. I do have several announcements before we start our service this morning. There will be a congregational meeting today immediately following the service for discussion and a vote on the proposed Constitution and bylaws. If you didn't grab one at the door when you came in, there are copies of the proposed document at the Information Center in the back of the sanctuary and also on the front pew up here. So grab one if you haven't already. For the ladies, Maria Lammers and Tori Bradigan are leading Priscilla Schreier's Armor of God Bible Study on Wednesday evenings over in the Ministry Center starting on June 15th at 7 p.m. There's a sign-up sheet at the Information Center in the back of the church. Also, don't forget to register your kids for VBS, which runs from June 6th through June 10th. You could do this on our church website, www.firstchurchnk.org. There are numerous other announcements in the bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now to start our worship this morning, those who are able, will you please rise and join me in our call to worship. Follow along with me as I read from Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also also were included in Christ when you heard the passage of the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Please remain standing for opening hymn number 25, Immortal Invisible.
As the children come forward for the children's chat, please take a moment and greet one another. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Let's try this again. Are you ready? Good morning. Good morning. The sun is shining. We need to be more awake than that. Let's try it three times as a charm, right? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Goodness. So, today... I have a couple questions to start us out with, okay? Does a circle have a beginning and an end? No. No? It just keeps going and going and going, right? Can you think of the beginning of something? A beginning of a book. And some books even begin, start out with once upon a time, don't they? Like in Sunday school or, or... Topic right now is Once Upon a Time, and we're learning about stories from the Bible. There's a top of here. Mm -hmm. So, can you think of the beginning of anything else? Yes. Ooh, that's a finish line. You have a starting point and a finish line. Good job. What? A movie has a beginning, a race has a beginning. What do you put at the beginning of a sentence? A capital letter. Now let's go to the end. How do things end? Excellent. Punctuation mark of some sort. What about a story? How does a story end? At the end. Sometimes it even says the end. Right? So we know. Well, I have I have a question. Oh, I have one. When we say our alphabet, what comes first? And what comes last? Z. Well, today, we're talking about something called the alpha and the omega. Those are Greek letters, okay? We have our letters, A through Z, 26 of them. But different languages have different alphabets. And in the Greek alphabet, they start with alpha And they end with omega. And you know what those letters look like? I want you to turn around. I want you to look up there. Do you see that A up there in that circle? That red circle? That is what the alpha sign looks like. And if you go on the other side, it kind of looks like a circle, kind of not. That 
is the letter omega. Do you know? Do you know that God is sometimes referred to as the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end? Is God was God at the beginning? In the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created. So if God created it, he had to be there, right? Yep. And in the end, when our life is over, who are we going to go be with? We're going to be with God in heaven. So God is the beginning and God is the end, kind of like a circle. He is with us all the time in the beginning, in the end, and all the time in between. Is God with us here now? Yes, yes he is. Even though we can't see him, he is still here. You are right. All right. So we need to remember that God is everywhere. God has been with us since before we were born. And he will be with us even after we die. From the beginning to the end, God will always be with us. Okay, so it's kind of a hard thing to sometimes understand this whole the God being there at the beginning and God being at the end and that he, he, he is forever. All right. So what is the what does the A stand for? Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. God is with us from the beginning to the end. (laughs) They are not in turtles. Okay. All right. Let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these eager hearts and minds that want to learn about you. Help us to remember that you are with us wherever we go, from the beginning to the end and everything in between. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. Before we collect our offering, I just want to comment on uh, the congregational meeting that will be taking place after the service here today. Um, we, w- we do want to encourage all of our members that are in attendance today to please stick around. The meeting just has one item on the agenda. And we would really hope that you are able to stay and participate in that. Um, There will be a paper ballot for the vote today. So there is a, um, after the the service today and during the postlude, uh, I want to invite the deacons to come forward. There's a wicker basket up front with tribute those uh, during the postlude here today um, so that we can be ready to vote when the time comes during the meeting. After the vote, the deacons will go around and collect those ballots and tally them up for us. Um, we, I know we have Sunday school teachers here today that are members and would like to participate in the meeting as well, even though we are continuing to have Sunday school this morning. So if you're a Sunday school teacher and a member and you would like to participate in the meeting, what I want to encourage you to do is come forward after the service and you can get a ballot from one of the deacons. Uh, feel free to take that with you uh, to your Sunday school room. And when the deacons are collecting the vote, Uh, with the rest of the congregation, a deacon will be around to your Sunday school room to collect your ballot as well. Uh, We thank you so much for your your service to this church and the way that you care for our children and teach them. 
and we certainly don't want to exclude you from the process here this morning. So again, if you are a Sunday school teacher and you'd like to participate, feel free to come forward after the service and get a ballot from one of the deacons, and they will be around to the rooms to collect those when the time comes to do that. Um, so again, please reminder, please, a reminder to please stay for the meeting and uh, participate in that when the service is done. Now it is time to collect our offering this morning. Our designated offering today goes to support Katie Lore with Piqua Young Life. And I invite the deacons to come forward at this time as the choir sings, The Bible Tells Me So.
invite you to remain standing as we sing our next praise song, Raise a Hallelujah. The words are in your bulletin.
Father God, we come before you today. We lift up our praises to you in the middle of whatever storms we're experiencing, whatever hardships we're going through. We lift up our praises to you. Lord God, you are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all the glory. And Lord, we lift up your, our na- your name. We lift up our voices to you in every circumstance. Your word says to pray without ceasing. That whenever we are anxious, whenever we are worried, we can lift up our voices to you with, in prayers and petitions. Make our, make our prayers known to you. And so that's what we do this morning, Lord God. We lift up our prayers and concerns to you. And we ask that you would work in the midst of them. And Lord, we have confidence that you hear our prayers because you are alive. That, Lord Jesus, through your death and resurrection, you have conquered death and you have conquered sin. And that you are now seated at the right hand of your Father and you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we praise you for that. And we we have confidence and hope that you hear and respond to the prayers of your people. And so, Lord, we ask that whatever concerns are on our hearts this morning, we lay them at your feet. Whatever joys that we are experiencing, we give you all the praise that you deserve. Whatever circumstances, Lord, whatever uncertainty, whatever doubt we may be going through, we pray that you would meet us in the middle of that, that you would make yourself known to us, that you would guide us in the way everlasting. And so, Lord, both the the names and the families that are represented in our prayer list, as well as the burdens and concerns that, that we each carry with us in today, we ask that your will would be done. We ask that you would work in a mighty way according to your goodness and your grace and your faithfulness. And Lord, we have full confidence that you will hear and respond to, your, to our prayers, not because we deserve it, but because you are good. And so we lift them up to you this day. We also pray for those in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. And on this day, we pray for our state leaders, Lord, our governor, our state legislature and courts. We ask, Lord, that they would make decisions and pass laws and make rulings, Lord, that are in line with your word and for the good of, your, of, of all people, Lord. May justice and righteousness reign. And may, Lord, you work through them to, uh, may, may you give them wisdom and, as they seek to lead our state well. May they have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness that they would be satisfied. We pray for our leaders here in our church today as well. We thank you this day for our youth ministry. We thank you for Tori and her leaders. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in and through them as they disciple our young people in this congregation and community. We pray that you would lift them up. We pray, Lord, that you would work through them and that all of our our students from our our youth group all the way down through our Sunday school classes, Lord, would, would know you. And, and grow in their relationship with you each day. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 90, verse 1 through 4. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. And from Revelation 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Thank you. Let's pray together again. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word, which is truth. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that today we have an opportunity once again to open it up together to, to study it and to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. Would you soften our hearts, Lord, to be ready to receive your word? And may you give me words to speak that are honoring and pleasing to you. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Some of you with young children know that sometimes they, they... say things or share stories that kind of take you back a little bit. Uh, Miles (laughs) recently um, was telling us these stories about when he was grown up. Now, Miles is four, for those of you who don't know. And and we were just listening to him talk about these things that happened when he was a grown up, when, when he was older, like mom and dad. And so we just listened to him and thought, uh, either he's got a very active imagination or like the curious case of ben- Benjamin Button, we have a son who's apparently living his life backwards. Um, but it's, it's, it obviously can't be that because we know that time only moves in one direction, right? That my four-year-old has not had experiences or cannot remember things from when he was an adult because he has not arrived there yet. Today we are talking about time, and we are talking about how God is eternal. We talked a couple weeks ago about God's independence at the start of the sermon series, that God is not dependent on anyone or anything, that he is completely self-sufficient. Today we're going to reflect on the fact that God is eternal. In other words, God is independent even of time itself that he has no beginning, that he is not bound by time or affected by its passage. He does not even experience time as a succession of moments. Right? Human beings make sense of time. We make sense of time because we organize moments in three categories. We think of things that are in the past that have already happened to us, things in the present that we are currently experiencing, and things that have yet to happen in the future. Well, that is unless you're miles and have ex- remem- memories of that. But that's how we often think of time, right? But that's not how God, there is no past and no future. He is eternally present in all moments of time equally. And I know that's a difficult concept for us to wrap our minds around. 
right? We are finite creatures. And from our perspective, time only moves in one direction. It's a sequential order of events. One of my favorite childhood movies was Back to the Future, right? You guys like that movie? I see Adam nodding his head over there, right? In that movie, right, scientist Doc Brown created the flux capacitor, which made time travel possible. And for some reason, he decided to put that very sophisticated piece of technology in a DeLorean. And then once that car reached 88 miles an hour, it would instantly travel to any point in time of the driver's choosing, In the second movie of the trilogy, Marty McFly travels to a futuristic version of California that included uh, flying cars, video calls, and extremely accurate weather forecasting. You know what year that movie was describing? 2015. (laughs) Seven years ago. I'll take the flying car if I never have to make another Zoom call again. But even as Marty McFly traveled through time and back to the future, he still experienced time as a sequence of events. There was the past, the present, and the future. And even though he could travel back and forth among those timelines, and that what he did affected everything else, right? he was still traveling in a sequence of events. That's because we, finite human beings, experience time as moments that happen in a certain order, one after the other. Right? Think of it like a river. Right? Time flows in a single direction, and it cannot be stopped, it cannot be changed, and it cannot be reversed. But God experiences time in a very different way. He's not bound by time. He's not in the river, so to speak. He's outside and above the river, observing all of it at once. But even that description is inadequate because you know, he's not at a single point observing things at a distance. He is equally present in every moment of time. Psalm 90, verse 4, which you just heard read, says, A thousand years are in your sight, or like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. A thousand years are like a day in your sight. Think of everything that's taken place in the past 1,000 years. Do you have any idea what life was like in 1022? Right? Can you imagine the number of people that have lived during that time span? It's unfathomable. Yet scripture says that a thousand years are like a day to God. A watch in the night, which is like a three to four hour period. God remembers everything like it was yesterday, like it had just happened. Let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we struggle to remember what we had for lunch last week. But yet God, because he is eternally present every moment, knows all things and remembers all things as if they had just happened. That's amazing. In the New Testament, 2 Peter 3, verse 8, quotes Psalm 90, but it adds another layer to it. Peter writes, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Right? We just talked about that. A thousand years are like a day. We got it. But notice what Peter does here. He says the opposite is also true, that a day is like a thousand years. In other words, God is aware of every detail that happens in the course of a day. Nothing escapes his attention. One of the dangers about thinking of God's eternal nature is to assume that God is so far removed from his creation that he doesn't notice what's actually happening that he is aloof, that time just marches on and he ignores the details. 
But Peter reminds us that that is not the case. Yes, God observes the span of millennia as if they were nothing, but he also observes each one of our days with the utmost care and attention. What an amazing God we serve. Reminds me of Psalm 8, chapter 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Praise God that the creator and sustainer of the universe, who is independent of all things, including time itself, who is ever unchanging, is mindful of us, that he cares about us, that our days are numbered in his book before one of them came to pass, that he knows the number of hairs on our head. Praise God. Sometimes it's difficult to wrap our minds around God's eternal nature because it's the exact opposite of our human experience. You and I had a beginning, right? We can point to a date on a calendar when we came into existence. On the other hand, we are all born with an expiration date as well. None of us know when that day will come, but it will. This year, Holy Week happened to fall at the same time that our taxes were due. So within a four-day span, we had Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and Tax Monday. And somebody commented that that week, above all, all others, reminds us of the certainties in life, our death, taxes, and the resurrection of Jesus. Right? Those are things that we can know for certain. Human beings are born and we die. There was a time before we existed and a time will go on after our deaths but not so with God. Again, let's look at Psalm 90. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. God existed before the creation of the universe. From an eternity past, he existed in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember Genesis 1.1? Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first words of Scripture speak to his self-existence and his eternal nature. And he will exist for an eternity future when everything else is gone, from everlasting to everlasting. Or as Revelation 1.8 puts it, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who, was, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. As Maria already helpfully pointed out, Alpha and Omega were the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. In other words, he was saying, I am the A and the Z, right? I am the first and the last. He is the one who is and was and is to come. He always existed and always will exist. And Jesus even testifies to this in his earthly ministry. In John chapter 8, he's having a, one of his uh, discussions with the Pharisees and religious leaders. And he says this beginning in verse 54 of John chapter 8. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day and saw it. He saw it and was glad. You are not 50 years old, they said to him. You have not seen Abraham very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. See, Jesus made two very important statements here. First, he claimed to exist before Abraham was born. It's a very radical statement coming from a 30-year-old guy. But that's not all Jesus was saying. 
He could, if that's all Jesus was trying to say, he could have said, before Abraham existed, I was. But that's not what he said. He said, before Abraham existed, I am. It seems like a very strange way to put it. There's something, but there's something strange, there's something strange going on here besides the very Master Yoda-esque sentence structure here. Remember a couple weeks ago when we read from Exodus 3, the Lord speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and declares his name for the first time. He says, I am has sent you. Jesus claimed to exist before Abraham, but he was also identifying himself to be the Lord, the very creator of the universe, the one who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. He is the great I am who created all things and sustains all things. So to recap, right, God is eternal, which means he is exists outside of time and as we know it. He is unaffected by its passage, yet God acts and responds to his creation in time. Right? And that's the amazing thing for us to think about here for a moment. God, who is outside of time, responds to his creation within time itself. And Scripture testifies to that over and over again. He hears the cries of his people in Egypt. He responds to them during the time of the judges and the prophets. And of course, throughout the book of Acts. Scripture is full of examples of God interacting with his people in real time. And of course, the greatest example of this all is the life and death of Jesus Christ. Through the incarnation, God literally stepped into human history. The Word of God took on flesh and dwelt among us. He lived and died and lived again in order to rescue us. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. I love that phrase, the set time had fully come. God acted at the exact right moment in human history. He wasn't sitting back on autopilot. He was waiting for the right time to initiate, initiate his rescue mission. And he continues to act that way today. You see, we want God to act on our time schedule, don't we? Well, we want him to do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. But God doesn't act on our timeline. He acts exactly according to his will when he ordains things to happen. When the set time has fully come, according to his will, not our own. And so we must learn to wait on him and trust his perfect timing. There's a few important takeaways that I want us to focus on here this morning as we reflect on the fact that God is eternal, right? That he is unaffected by time like we are. And so first, because God is eternal, he is also all-knowing. Think about this for a second. If God is not bound by time at all, if he is equally and eternally present in all moments of time, then he already knows everything there is to know. There will never be any new information that he has to learn because all things are already available to him and known by him right now. Again, contrast our human experience, right? We learn and we grow as we acquire new information and as we experience new things. But for God, who is eternal, there is nothing new for him to experience or nothing new for him to learn. 
And so what does, that, what does this mean for us? He is all-knowing, which means that Scripture, which is God's Word, is completely trustworthy. Right? Everything that He says in His Word is true, and we can take Him at His Word. An example of this is, is the prophecies of Jesus, or excuse me, the prophecies that Jesus fulfills in His role as the Messiah and our Savior. By some, depending on kind of... Uh, how you count them. There are some 300 to 600 prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament, all of them fulfilled in Jesus. Some written more than 500 years before he was born. Some things that are, were completely out, of, uh, completely out of a human being's ability to control themselves. Yet each and every one of them is fulfilled in Christ. In the prophet Isaiah, chapter 46 Verses 9 and 10. It says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God's word is completely true and trustworthy. And so that means that we can then trust that everything that Scripture promises will come to pass. Right? If everything that Scripture says is true, then we can take God at His word. A few chapters later in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11, the prophet says, excuse me, the Lord speaking through the prophet says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields its seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word can and will accomplish what it says. And not just regarding future events like the life and death of Jesus, but also the promises that he makes you and I. We can take him at his word because he is all-knowing and he does not change. So God's word is completely trustworthy. Because God is all-knowing, we can also have confidence and comfort when we come to him in prayer. God knows all things, including our thoughts and our motives. And he already knows that what we're going to ask before we even ask it. And we have confidence that he will hear our prayers because he is eternally present in every moment. Right? God is not distracted. Right? God is not forgetful. Human beings have leaky memories. Our attention is often divided, but not so with God. He is fully aware of every one of our needs and he will not abandon us when we need him the most. So first, God is completely all-knowing. Second, God's eternal nature helps us to gain an eternal perspective. You really see things from a different perspective when you're flying in an airplane. I don't fly very often, but a few years ago I had a chance to, Allie and I had a chance to travel to San Francisco for our anniversary. And as we flew across the country, you know, those moments when you have the opportunity to look out the plane window as you're taking off and as you're landing, it really puts things into perspective, Right? cities and and buildings that seemed so big and so important 
are specks on the ground from that perspective. Mountains that seem impossible to pass are nothing when you're flying through the air at that height. See, that's like that eternal perspective that God offers us. We are, we are often short-sighted. We see things just as they are right in front of our face. Our, our perspective is limited. Yet as we seek God and grow in our faith in Him and our relationship with Him, He helps us to see things from His perspective, not just ours. And so we need to trust Him when we don't understand. We need to trust Him when His Word contradicts our natural inclination or what the world says we should believe. We need to allow God through His Word to have authority over us. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Our perspective is limited, but God's perspective is eternal. He can see all things, he knows all things, and he understands us better than we understand ourselves. So we need to trust him at his word. And the eternal perspective also helps us in, to put our experiences, both the joys and the... In Second Corinthians 4, Paul writes, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes on, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Everything we experience in this life will eventually pass. It'll only be a blip on the radar or a drop in the ocean. Yes, it's extremely difficult to gain that perspective when you're in the middle of it all. But that's why we have God's Word to remind us, like this passage, like Colossians 3 and Hebrews 12, they remind us to fix our eyes on what is eternal rather than what is temporary. It's an intentional decision we can make. And finally, because God is eternal, he has the ability to also grant us eternal life. God makes eternal life available to everyone who trusts in him. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or as the Gospel of John puts it in chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right? We all have an expiration date because of sin. But God makes eternal life possible for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Remember earlier I said that God is all-knowing, right? that he remembers everything like it had just happened. Well, there's one thing in Scripture that God promises to forget. One thing that God says he will remember no more, and that is the sin of those who trust in him. In Jeremiah 31, 34, also quoted in the New Testament in Hebrews 8, chapter 12, the Lord says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin upon himself. Our sins were nailed to the cross. He took the punishment that we deserve so that we don't have to bear it anymore. So that when the Father looks at you in his all-knowing, unchanging, eternal perspective, he doesn't see your sin. He remembers it no more. When he looks at you, he sees the perfect obedience of his Son, Jesus Christ, applied to you. And when Jesus walked out of the grave three days later, he opened up eternal life to all who believe. As we close our time in God's Word this morning, I want to read one more passage to you. 
That is from the book of Revelation. It's a passage I often read at, at funerals as we reflect on the promises that God makes to us. So as I, read this, as I read these words to you in just a moment, I want you to think about what it will be like for us to be there. The praise team is going to close our service today by singing, uh, inviting us to join with them in singing the song, I Can Only Imagine. So familiar to, to many of you, right? Reflecting on this idea of what it will be like to be in God's presence forever. What it will be like for us to join Him in glory. And so as I read these words from Revelation chapter 21, I want you to think about that yourself. What it will be like to be, to be granted eternal life. That when our day comes to put our mortal bodies aside and join Him in eternity. Think about how we will respond in that moment. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this I will be their God, and they will be my children. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are eternal, that you are unchanging, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and was and is to come. We thank you that through Jesus Christ, your Son, you have granted eternal life to all who believe. And as we close our service now, Lord, I pray that you would instill in us a sense of gratitude and awe over that great and precious gift. As we reflect on these words from Revelation 21 and sing this next song, may you help us to understand, Lord, just how great and wonderful of a gift that is. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand and join us as we sing, I Can Only Imagine.
Would you pray with me once more? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of eternal life that you've made possible through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that one day we will all join you in your heavenly glory. And Lord, though we may not understand or now what that will be like, we get glimpses of it in your word, in our relationship with you through your Holy Spirit. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us to keep that eternal perspective in mind as we journey through this life. And may you guide and direct our steps in everything we do and lead us in the way everlasting. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Just a couple quick reminders. We do have a congregational meeting immediately following this service. Um, We do have a postlude today. Um, Oh, I forgot to write down what number it is. 554. 554. The praise team will be leading us in uh, the postlude, I'll Fly Away, number 554. As we are doing that, I want to invite the deacons to come forward. The ballots and everything are in the front pew, and we will begin to distribute those during the postlude. Again, a reminder, if any of our Sunday school teachers are, of course, members of our congregation and want to participate in the vote, come get a ballot from one of, your de- one of the deacons before you go to the sun- your Sunday school class, and one of them will be around to collect that before uh, or as we tally the vote. So thank you again for being here today, and I'll just offer this as a word of benediction as we close our service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.